Good morning, afternoon or evening, wherever you are in the world, and welcome to the Bloody Awesome Movie Podcast. My name is Matt Hudson, from what I watched tonight, and joining me from across the pond is the statesman to my kingsman. It's John Burke from BurkeReviews.com. How you doing, man? I am doing pretty well, Matt. How about yourself, sir? I am doing great. I have got a cup of tea. I have been playing some games for the last few days. I'm pumped. I'm excited. The good times are coming back, and I'm here with JB. On a Tuesday evening over here, a balmy Tuesday evening. So for me, mate, what could be better but yourself? How are you? Well, I am in the uh, the COVID capital of the world and um, <laughs> over here yes. in Florida. Uh, be careful. I, I am trying. Um, fortunately, some businesses and stuff are starting to finally uh, wise up and starting to make their employees wear masks and things of that nature. It, it's still mind boggling to me how many people are just like lackadaisical and not caring. And of course... I've noticed a, a very bad trend with a lot of employees because their their companies are telling them they must wear a mask, but apparently are not telling them how they have to wear the mask. And so mm-hmm. the thing I've seen is chin straps where they are wearing the mask, but it's just on their chin. And so I'm like, great. Of course, Floridians found the loophole uh, to <laughs> still be stupid, but wear the mask. Um, but not you, though. No, I've been wearing a mask uh, pretty much since the CDC turned on that. Um, and... I, I own like five or six now. Um, I got some cool ones. I've uh, stuff on the Instagram if you want to see what kind. But check um, But yeah, you know it, it's it's very frustrating because I I don't want to get sick. Um, and we keep having to push stuff back for school. Like our poor class of 2020, uh, we were hoping to have graduation ceremonies for them. We've done a couple of things for them that were like like we had like a driving parade kind of thing where they've received their diplomas already. But we still want to give them their ceremony where they get to walk mm-hmm. across the stage. And we had uh, tentative dates for the end of July and the end of August. And if those wouldn't work, we had one set for December. And it was decided today to take the July and August dates off the table. It's just not it's not feasible right now. Um, so they've already graduated. They will have started college potentially in the next couple of months, probably online. Um, and they may get to have a walking graduation ceremony in December after a, like a whole semester after they quote unquote finished high school. Um, so if you've ever felt bad or felt like your uh, graduating class got a uh, got shafted, um, know that I don't think any graduating class has ever had it as bad as 2020 in in my generation. I mean, mm-hmm. since I've been alive, uh, who knows before that? I'm sure there's been some pretty horrible ones, but um, I mean this poor class they keep getting pushed and pushed back and here in florida the same class uh my my school specifically i can speak to but uh two years ago they lost um i think a whole month worth of school because of a hurricane and all the damage that it caused uh in our area so like they've had some stuff um to to overcome so um it's you know it's one of many things and it's it's currently what's on my my mind because we just made that announcement like a couple hours ago Mm -hmm. um but yeah, you know, uh, living in Florida during COVID where our governor has been pretty quiet and so is our president about the virus and <laughs> acting as so though it's not happening, um, even though like, you know, our cases of, I think they, I saw yesterday, oh, th- this is the epitome of it, Matt. This is what I think will sum up my point. 
two days ago, I have I have a several different news apps that are on my phone. I had back to back notifications. The first notification said <laughs> Florida cases triple in uh in you know in recent COVID tests and whatnot. And then the next one were things to remember on your next Walt Disney World resort vacation. I'm like, um, yeah, maybe this not. is the problem. This is because people are acting like we're on break and we can go party and have fun. And that's why the virus is spreading like wildfire. Uh, stay the heck away from each other, please. Yep, it, the fact that it's spiking at all should make people think, you know what? I don't really fancy going out today. I think I might just stay in for the next week. It's, you know, call it, call it what it is. Some people are just stupid. Some people mm-hmm. have to go out. You know, people go out. Sure. People need to go out. Yeah, I, I had to go to, to a couple. To. Of, right. I had to go to a couple of stores yesterday. Uh, I've had to get groceries and things of that nature. But uh, take precautions, especially the thing is there evidence saying that the mask will heavily reduce the opportunity for transmission. So, like, just that if you're not even taking the bare minimum precaution, you're you're just like asking for it. And. You know, um, I, the thing that really gets me is, is the domino effect that I feel like people are ignoring because they're mm-hmm. like, well, I might get it, but I'll be fine. You know, I won't get like, I'll, I'll have, a, I'll be sick in the house for a couple of days and they might be completely right. They may not have any like long-term lasting effects from the virus at all. That is very, very possible, but they're not thinking about the 20 people that they gave the virus to and yeah. how maybe half of them end up in the hospital. And now those hospital beds are full. Your hospital is full. Somebody has an appendicitis, not anything to do with COVID, but there's no hospital beds for them. So they die because the complications with not being able to get into a hospital. That's well, what people aren't seeing. Well, it's, a, it's also the knock on effect of those 20 people also then pass it on. And that's how things triple. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. We, and we've, we've got our own idiots in the United Kingdom uh, populating the beaches, like oh, tens of thousands of people at the, yeah. at the beaches because it was happened to be really hot and there, there. I mean, I could go on all day about why those people, what the hell they people were doing. The same people were probably, who were probably complaining about the protest. The people who shout all lives matter. I imagine they were. But, um, mate, this the, it's a funny world we live in at the minute, and it's not going to get any any better. I hope your graduation ceremony does go ahead in December, because as a silver lining to that, you know, what better time of the year to get a to get a nice graduation certificate than than Christmas time, when everybody seems to be happier anyway, and hopefully we'll, we'll be back to some sort of semblance of normality till then but um for the for the pod then for this episode for the bloody awesome movie podcast for those who are new to the show th- firstly thanks for listening hope you enjoy our show and secondly well again we've got a slightly new format we give you a review of a film we've seen this week so a, a new or recent release and then we're going to go into a few other segments which cover movies and a bit of pop culture and what we've been up to since our last last episode last week so jb Shall I uh, let the listeners know what we're talking about this week? Oh yeah, well, let's get into the the uh, the details of our film. Let's do it. Well, it's a it's a film that came out in 2019. It hit the festival circuit in Venice and uh, and all the big ones worldwide, but it actually didn't get released uh, any kind of a major release until I think a month or two ago. And we're talking about Baby Teeth, directed by Shannon Murphy, her debut as well, written by Rita uh, Kalianese. And starring Eliza Scanlon, Toby Wallace, S.E. Davis, Ben Mendelsohn and Emily Barclay. What's it about? Well, Miller, played by Eliza Scanlon, is a seriously ill teenager who falls in love with a drug dealer called Moses, played by Toby Wallace, which ends up being her parents' worst nightmare. Her parents being um, Henry, played by Ben Mendelsohn, and Anna, by S.E. Davis, who was so, so good in The Babadook and The True History of the Kelly Gang. 
Essie Davis mm-hmm. is a magnificent actress. And in terms of release in the United Kingdom, it's, uh, I've got, I called it via the BFI website and JB in the States. Uh, you can rent it on any service, but I rented it on Voodoo. So Voodoo for the United States. And as we always do on the BAMP, these reviews are non-spoiler. Myself and John, we're going to give our thoughts and opinions on the film as a whole. And we're not going to be diving into plot specifics or anything that uh, anything happens towards the end or major moments. So it's just our thoughts and opinions. So if you haven't seen Baby Teeth, consider this maybe like a, a little teaser, an appetizer, before you go ahead and watch it. So, I uh, will what say... I think- uh, not to cut you off, just while we won't go into specifics, I do think that tonally, some of the things that we might feel like we need to comment on um, might reflect potential outcomes, I guess, in that way. Like, I just feel yeah, like it's going to be hard to like discuss how the movie affected us without like hinting at potential things. So just a slight warning. It, it won't have details, but if you want to know nothing about the movie, then uh, you I might want to pause. Way, yeah. And rent it, like, because there will definitely be some, uh, there's just some things that are going to be implied that you can't avoid, other than us just going, yeah, we liked it, and then moving on. Like, and that's not, yeah, and then not mention anything. <laughs> yeah, right. well, the synopsis kind of, uh, gives you a story of what's going to be going on in this film. So, and that's not necessarily what happens, but, you know, where, where we're going to be at. So, as I mentioned, it's a directorial debut of Shannon Murphy, and it's a coming of age story that's a little bit different from the rest. Now, it follows a similar trajectory, but, there's more than enough going on here to separate it for me. Um, so top level, Baby Teeth, really like this film. I really, really found this film to be affecting and engaging. It's a very human movie, I think. And Shannon Murphy, she doesn't try to, she doesn't try to make us like the leads per se. Obviously, more so Miller than Moses, but there's no real attempt to like these kind of saturating, sickly sweet moments designed to make us swoon at the pair. It's not like the fault in our stars, which I did enjoy, actually. But there's a humanity and there's a real raw edge to this, and it's what keeps the movie powering along. And it does make it feel really, really uneasy at times. And the cast are excellent across the board. As I said, um, uh, Essie Davis is excellent. Ben Mendo, he's reliably very good as um, Henry, who's a psychiatrist, Who and Essie Davis is a one-time musician and... They all kind of have their voices to get through the tough period they're going through now. Uh, Toby Wallace, who I wasn't aware of before this film, he brings he brings enough of everything to his role. And by that, he brings some humour, yearning, some angst, some pain, uh, etc. to his role. So he's quite a multifaceted role rather than just being, this guy's a junkie, that's what you, what you see is what you get. There is a little bit more to him than that. And Eliza Scanlon is just so good here. She really is so good. She leads the film, she carries the film and... She was the best thing alongside Florence Pugh in, in Little Women. And I'm glad to mm. see her getting more roles. And so, yeah, the, across the board, great, great cast, great acting. It's a very human film. If you don't like indie art house types, you might not, this might not work for you. It's slightly off kilter in the, the way it's broken into segments with subtitles for these new sequences, which are then accompanied by like a often random shot. Maybe a little bit too indulgent for some people. And the, and handheld cameras are utilised as well, which I think adds to the tension, the atmosphere, and the kind of like um, almost voyeuristic nature of the movie. I really like that. But again, it won't be to everyone's taste. I think it's a really, really nice looking film. There's a beautiful scene at a party about halfway through that shows the artistic flair that Murphy's got. And there's some breathtakingly beautiful shots in it. 
Um, so yeah, I, I really enjoyed this. It's a really nice dichotomy of Miller's youthful uh, and loving yearnings for Moses against his sort of mannerisms and the situation he finds himself in. And the director, she finds a good court here. She doesn't aim to glamorise the lifestyle or drugs in general because drugs do play an, a massive part in this film, as the synopsis said. But there is no glamorisation. But there's still, at the same time, there's no real demonisation either. I think uh, Murphy manages to mm-hmm. straddle the line here without going one way or the other. It doesn't become a commentary for me. I thought this film was... Um, I thought this film was was excellent, and you know you get to see mustachioed Ben Mendelssohn getting it on whilst eating a sandwich and answering <laughs> phones at the same time. And again, it's like there's little weird sort of quirky moments, like Miller will look directly into the camera. Yes, like, a little moment she'll kind of like look into the camera as if she's talking to us. Right. I really like little touches like that. And again, I won't mention the ending. This isn't a spoiler for the ending whatsoever, but the ending absolutely destroyed me more than I thought it did. There's a, yeah. the very end scene as well. I was like. I've got to hold it together. I've got to hold it together. And I was like, there's like a couple of lines here and there and the acting on the show. I was like, I can't, I've got to just let it all loose. Just get it out. And yeah, that was baby teeth for me. It kind of built and built and built to this very emotional and ending, but it may not be what you think it's going to be when you start. That's what I'll say. So me, I really thoroughly enjoyed this film and I have a big um, fondness for Australian cinema. I just want to shout that out now. And not just the, Yeah like the frenetically violent horror films, but good horror films they put out. Australian films have a have a humanity and a raw edge, like I mentioned, that just sets them apart. And I said that about other foreign films, like Spanish and French films, which should just be called film, just because of it. But films mm. from other studios across the world, I don't know, sometimes they really know how to bring out the, uh, the humanity. And I mentioned that again, but Baby Teeth... Dude, I thought this was a great film. Uh, is this where you're going to tell me I'm wrong, or do you agree? Oh, I love this. Uh, okay. like, in fact, uh, Big Tuna, when he saw it, was immediately like, you need to watch this. You're going to love this. And, Good old Big Tuna. Um, you know, some uh, I, I have completely, over the last five years of really you know immersing myself in film, become very aware of like my taste and what, what boxes are going to check for me. And I don't know that... Um, there's anything clear here that checks for me that I would have thought, but um, I, I was kind of blown away by a lot of things that did work for me um, because all of these characters are so broken. Um, a lot of times that is there's like a judgment being passed by the filmmaker and it almost makes the characters like inaccessible. Right. And mm-hmm. somehow Murphy makes these characters that are definitely broken, that are suffering, be completely empathetic, even Moses. Um, and that was shocking to me because uh, I have a very complicated history with people using drugs in my life. And mm-hmm. so often I find people who just can't like deal with it or who are self-destructive. I just, I'm just like, you can fix it. You can choose not to do this and you keep doing it. And I, obviously I'm speaking from like angst there and not from any real experience, but Moses was so sympathetic and it's definitely Toby Wallace, man. There's just something about his performance in this. That I was so uh, kind of blown away from and Essie Davis, as you said, just I'm blown away every time I see her in a movie at this point. Um, mm-hmm. And she, she's so terrific in this. Uh, this movie's got this weird kind of like surrealist feel to it. Yet it's completely natural and real at the same time. True. You know, like there's like a, a, it's something with the color. It just feels like we're in this haze, this weird state, you know, like it's the color palette in general. State. Yeah. Right. Yet everything is super grounded. Everything is uh, mostly normal. Um, and yeah, Eliza Scanlon 
uh, as Mila, just she's so awesome. She's so uh, on the you know she's going to become a superstar. Um, it is sad that the two big movies that I've seen her in, uh, she's a character who is suffering from an illness that is likely terminal, right? In Little Good Women, show. in this, um, and it's like, okay, but man, does she nail that that performance? You know, <laughs> yes. um, there's so many little scenes in this film that I thought really, really worked. The insanity of it, the fact that he's like 23, I think he says, and or, yes, she's and 16. She's 16, obviously, really bothersome right away right i'm like oh that's not okay but then again like she's dying so you're like can you say something at that point like because it's not like you can be like you have to wait till you're older to a terminally ill person right you have to just yeah. be like and that's the that's the thing that the parents face isn't it and they really do yeah. kind of have to decide do we do we stop her from potentially having a first and only love potentially or do we right. just go yeah. along with it because that's because that's the case yeah, and and it's never spoken, though, right? Like they don't just say that, but you like it's so clear. And I think that's what this movie does so well is that there's so many things happening, and there's so many opportunities for it to just bluntly say what it's doing, yeah. and it, it doesn't. It, it lets us interpret. It lets you sit with it. Um, this is a movie that you're not going to walk away from and just forget. It's going to sit with you, and you're going to be pondering and rethinking. And uh, I, I've done that with I think all the characters to a degree. Mm-hmm. Um, because I, they're all really interesting, dynamic people. And while, you know, I have different opinions uh, on them in, in certain degrees, um, even the, like the side characters, there's her uh, music teacher yeah. who has the history with the mom. I think I forgot his name. Um, oh, I can't remember his name, but I know who you mean, a beaded but, guy. And then the, the pregnant neighbor who's moved in across the street. Um, Toby? Uh, Toby, played by yeah. Emily Barkley. Um, yes. And, her kind of you know, idiosyncratic like the the weird c- combination that her dog's name is henry which has been mendelson's character's <laughs> name and how they uh interact mendelson's awkwardness and his man the controlling mechanisms that he's put in place and yet Dude, seems completely yeah. out of control at the same time like it's it's there's so many things to look at in this Moses relationship with his family as well mm-hmm. yeah the i mean the whole moses character who could be completely unlikable the fact that he isn't the fact that you find some empathy for him that he's very charming you can totally see why Mila is kind of drawn to him at the at the same time being very terrified of him um it, it all just it works and uh, I agreed the ending um just left me speechless and uh man um even uh she does I think Shannon Murphy does a really good job with structure because our opening shot is a tooth in a glass of water like floating to the bottom mm-hmm. um with yeah. no context and uh y- you don't know what to make of that scene until much later in the film um it does come back but it, it comes back in a in a way that um i think it it didn't need to be the opening but it also works as the opening yeah and she she plays with the structure a little she doesn't go all over the place but there is some um moments where you're like wait when is this happening in relation to this other thing and uh i think she leaves that for you to kind of suss out again like there's a lot she's she is definitely confident that her audience is going to be intelligent enough to figure out oh yeah what's happening and and i love that i love seeing that kind of especially for a first film although from her letterbox uh she has directed theater 
So she's done a lot of short films as well, I've seen. But I mean, ah. the tooth image at the beginning, let's not forget, it's also juxtaposed with the word baby teeth coming up on screen. So right. there's the literal well, um, title with a tooth falling. Uh, I I was watching it thinking, uh, this may, maybe this was like her first baby tooth falling out. Obviously, where, where you need, when you find out where that, how that tooth does come out, it's a lot more... It's a lot more dramatic than just a tooth falling out. Yeah, big time. And man, I'm glad you enjoyed this, man. Oh yeah, uh, I, I mean, um, I didn't want to push for it, but this is a movie I I wanted to see. Um, I will most likely be purchasing this and and cramming it down other people's throats uh, to <laughs> to watch it um, once it's available. It is right now only available for renting, but it should be, yeah. I would imagine, fairly soon available to purchase. But. Um, it's definitely one I am happy to have spent the money on. And I hope, uh, you know, more people are going to check this out. It, there's some really cool reviews. I like, uh, I'm a big fan of David Ehrlich. Um, I, I, I don't necessarily mm. agree with him, but I like his writing and, uh, his review, um, is three and a half stars, but is very, very positive on the film. Um, David Chen from slash film also gave three and a half stars who I'm a fan of. Uh, yep. they did a micro review on slash films. They didn't do a full, um, full episode on it but he he had talked about it um i think it's 93 yeah, percent on rt as well which um i may actually come out of my dormant state to put my review on there because i want to bump that up so more people go and say oh we'll check this out when they get a chance to right i, I think you should um you know i we're gonna have this episode out and hopefully that will uh um help people, people find it and yeah uh because again it's it's available to watch it's definitely worth your time um it isn't a popcorn movie, so like know that yeah. it's not going to be like you know. Although it is, there's there's humor, there's heart, like there's some mm-hmm. really cool sequences. There's Absolutely. it's not, it's not like it's a, a you know a slog of just uh, dialogue, especially with her background in theater. This could have been a lot more dialogue heavy. There's a lot of quiet moments where we're it's very close and we're very personal. Like you said, I caught those little uh, moments where she looked at the camera, and I was debating i'm like well is she looking at the camera or is she looking past the camera no after the second or but, third time i was like that that was a when there's a moment when she leans into a car and then and then comes back out and looks directly at the camera i was like that was that, that's it there's there's fourth wall destruction there mm-hmm. and it's only her like yeah. i don't feel like anybody else ever does that um and man uh you just Oh man, I was I was really into it. I think um, Mila is such a compelling character, and mm. um, there are moments too with her where like you think she's more naive than she ends up actually being. I think yeah. like early on, especially, she feels very like immature, and and um, you're just like, oh my god, kid. And then later, it's like, no, no, no. She always knew what she was doing. She was very much in control, um, and I, I appreciate that too. I think I think that man, the complexity of the characters is so impressive. Yeah, and the relationship between Henry and Anna as well, that gets fleshed out very well. And how you see them at the start, you then, as the film tumbles on, you start to realise that actually, well, how we saw them may not have been how they really are and how they interact with each other in amongst this like horrendous time. I can only imagine how awful this must be to go through. And then on top of it, have like the situation with the daughter's um, romantic life as well. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, Henry and Anna, their relationship is so well, I think, fleshed out really, really well. And, you know, again, it's a credit to uh, S.E. Davis and Mendo. I love anything Ben Mendelsohn's in in a minute anyway. I really think Mendelsohn is a fantastic actor. And him and S.E. Davis together, it's just like, you know, a match made in 
Aussie heaven for me. And I, I really do hope that this film gets more exposure because it did well at Venice. I believe Toby Wise actually won like the up and coming award um, oh, nice. at Venice for his performance. So, um, and I checked him out before and I mean, he's been working for an awful long time, but no, certainly yeah. in this hemisphere, nothing that's caught my eye. Any of our, yeah. any of anyone's listening from, from down under, please do let us know if Toby Wallace is more of a, uh, not even a household name, but were you aware of him in film or theatre beforehand? Because if so, we'd very yeah, much like to know because he was really good in this. Is there any other of his films that we should be like, we should yeah. check out immediately? Because um, he's got a list, like you said, but none of them, like they all look like, you know, straight to VHS. Yeah. Wow. Straight to or VHS. TV as well. Straight to TV. Yeah. The type of thing. That's what I, that's when I say straight to VHS, I yeah. mean more as an expression VHS. than a literal. And but, also uh, TV series as well, but I hadn't heard of them either. Yeah, and that I'm not big on TV series, so unless it's like one of the big chains, not chains, good lord, unless it's one What's of the like big ones, I don't know. Um, it's <laughs> it's thundering outside, so maybe my brain's distracted. But, um, but yeah, I I really also enjoyed this. And I don't know, I we said the writer's name, but the writer also only has two credits. Yeah. Uh, Rita Kalanagias. Kalanagias, I'm going to say Kalanagias. Oh, I'm going you're, for you're like good a- at that man. I'm going for an international. I could also be like pretentiously bad, but um, I'm going for Calianes and Andrew Comis as well, the cinematographer. Again, not entirely. I don't know anything about the guy, but I think the film was shot nicely, and the framing of shots and what he managed to get in and convey the mood in those shots. Like I mentioned, that scene at the party was breathtaking. I thought so. Mm-hmm. Shout out to um, the, the cinematography as well. And I mentioned the soundtrack. I really think this has got a great soundtrack. The the orchestral yeah. soundtrack of, like, I think it's Mozart or whoever it is, please ignore, forgive, forgive my ignorance. I can't remember who they said now. And But also, like, the modern songs, like the, the modern uh, retro soul songs, the indie pop songs and the indie rock songs, they worked really well. And it, it helped with that off-kilter, quirky style without being, like, as much as I like Juno, that is, like, extremely quirky, like, very sort of, like, OTT quirky, but I really like Juno. I'm going to say that, but it, something about this film manages to stay on balance when it could have veered off the tracks at any point. But I think everyone involved did a really good job here of keeping it keeping it balanced and making sure that the central theme of, of the narrative remained relevant. Do you know what I mean? It did. They didn't worry. The, the subplots were just that they were subplots were used to further the main narrative. They never took over. They complemented. And mm-hmm. that is what worked the most for me. That when it came to the end, I felt brutalized, and it's and it's almost like it's a one-two punch at the end because it isn't just one scene; it's a one-two punch. I was like, "God damn, this is this is powerful stuff!" And and then and then they go again. I was like, "Oh man, I'm not sure I can handle this." And it's and like you, I found myself contemplating and just thinking about the film and little scenes and of course the ending and moments leading up to it and how how we saw them everyone at the beginning to how we really see them at the end it's it's a fantastic directorial debut from shannon murphy i think eliza scanlon is absolutely an up-and-coming star i'd like mm-hmm. to see more toby wallace and mendo and essie davis reliably yeah. very good and again anything they're in now and again like i mentioned in the true history of the kelly gang essie davis was again like, brutally good in there as the mother in that film She's just For very. Sure. She's just like a uh, a machine at the minute of good performances. But yeah, baby teeth. Again, if you aren't into the quirky, off kilter, slightly indie art house type films, you may not enjoy this film. And if so, that's fine. We'd like to hear from people who didn't enjoy this film to um, just to see the other side of the coin. However, it is for me 
certainly, and I know John's going to give his final piece, but for me, I honestly think this was a this was a magnificent film. I really do think this was a great film, and I can't really think of too many negatives about it. So that that's when I know I've had a a, a seminal time. I would say at the theatre, but this time it was on my laptop. Yeah, also on my uh, no, I watched it on on my Xbox, but still, um, I I agree. I I think it's great. I think uh, it's a film that definitely won't work for everybody but if it, mm-hmm. if you are into the the indie more intimate stories um this is definitely worth watching and it's it's great you can't wait to uh, give it another watch at some point yep no nice one john so like i said if anyone who has seen this film let us know how much you enjoyed it or whether you just thought it was a bit meh, or if you just really didn't like it let us know we're not here to argue we're here to talk film we'd love to hear some contradictory arguments as well so that was our thoughts on baby teeth one more time search it out legally and check it out so now we're going to move on to chuffed headlines it's our segment where we talk about movie or pop culture news or entertainment news that caught our attention since the last episode so john uh what's been catching your eye this week for better or worse so um with the headlines uh the one thing um i don't know if you've given this any pay attention at all but quibi uh is this this uh, streaming service that is only allowed to be watched on your phone? Um, something that none of the other streaming services have said you can't watch anywhere else. You must watch it on your phone. Well, um, Restricted already, right? And then it has this unique element where you can tilt your phone and it changes the aspect ratio depending on how your phone is tilted. Okay. Um, so, like, I think everything is shot in both the portrait and landscape modes for your phone. If I'm not mistaken, I believe that's how that works, or maybe at certain moments. But um, and they Quibi got uh, it was Katzenberg is involved with it, um, and so they got a bunch of big names uh, involved. However, from my understanding of like the reviews and, and critiques that I've read, um, it's like they took a big name and then they slapped a really crappy premise with them just so that uh, they could make something right. Like they, it's yeah. not like they crafted amazing short stories that should be told in under 15 minutes that's what all of these are made to be digestible the idea was that we are no longer able to give our attention to a tv show or movie which is obviously incorrect as people binge watch tv series <laughs> on um but that we Where would prefer team. right well that we would prefer these digestible bites and um okay. really it was designed to be like you're on your way from let's say you're riding the the tube uh to your location for work today mm-hmm. you watch this video in 15 minutes you can watch a whole episode of a series before you get to work i like that idea but it launched during the quarantine where people were no longer commuting so that might be <laughs> no. why um it might be that the content is trash uh, the article that I read is basically that Quibi is is flailing, and it looks like they're probably not going to survive. Um, they had a ninety day free trial. That's the other thing is like we have series available to us on like YouTube or uh, TikTok is very popular where the you can watch a bunch of videos quickly and for free. This mm-hmm. they're wanting you to pay either five bucks with ads or eight bucks with no commercials. And I, I don't know anyone who personally has used Quibi. Um, you know, people who are not like us, who are not, you know, constantly in media and just involved with movies and such, um, it seems like they're unaware of it to me. Uh, like, I think your general people know Netflix and they know maybe Hulu and they know Prime. And that's kind of it. HBO Max dropped. And of course, that is doing really well um, mm-hmm. because it has tons of good content, including, you know, some some beloved series that you can't get anywhere else now except for HBO. 
So I, I, I don't know, man. Quibi just seems like such a weird idea and such a novelty. And I, I think anytime your your platform has this kind of novelty function to it, you're going to maybe have an audience, but it's never going to be on the scale of like they were trying to compete with like Netflix and Hulu. And it's like, no, like you are an oddity. You're the sideshow. You're not the main you know presentation. Um, I don't know uh, if this happened in England, but for a long time there was a Jägermeister like like rock series where like they would host these tours and at every one they'd have a series of like sideshow events. And there was usually this guy, like the lizard man, I think was his name. Mm-hmm. And he had, uh, had all these like implants done to his face. So he had like, like and his body was tattooed to be a lizard yeah. and he did weird sideshow things, right? Like he'd like pull a condom out of his nose and shit like that. Sorry. Um, <laughs> and, like, yeah, he was entertaining, but the dude, you know, that's what he did. He, You weren't there for him. You were there for the band that was playing, but you enjoyed the sideshow. That's what Quibi is to me, and I, I just can't see it as anything else. Like, I would never spend money on it. Like, the free trial, maybe, and I didn't even try the free trial because, like like it said, I'm not commuting. And even when I commute, I'm driving, so I can't watch a 15-minute series. Um, So I, I have zero interest in this outside of like some of the celebrities but again i haven't heard of anything the only show that i've heard is decent is the uh liam hemsworth uh take on the uh most dangerous game which is a book that i've taught uh, in as an english teacher and so i'm very familiar with that story so i'm compelled to see that but at the same time i'm like yeah it'll probably end up on youtube eventually so not not watching it what about you any uh interest in quibi i'll tell you something right now buddy i've never heard of quibi Never heard, and I, I like to think that myself has got some sort of finger on a pulse, even if it is a slow one. I've never heard of Quibi. I like the idea, the premise that you know you can have like bite sized um, episodes, so you can watch on your commute. Great, because you, you know not everyone has a long commute to work. You can't maybe watch a full forty-five minute episode of Stranger right. Things or The Mandalorian, or whatever it might be. You can you know you can follow this, and twenty minutes later, or you, you're done. I like the idea of that. Just on your phone? No, I, I don't think that's very restrictive. Maybe, yeah. maybe I just, I just don't get that idea. I, I, I can see why, again, for the commutable, for, for the gym. But what happens if you want to watch it in bed? You might not want to sit on your phone like a little tiny screen in bed watching it, but I want to use my laptop for that or my tablet at least. Um, yeah, I from from never heard, hearing of them, have, having heard of them, sorry, to now hearing this story, it's, it's a story of just like, for me, it's bad marketing and bad luck. Like, yeah. I mean, the market research team, you know, people don't want long 45-minute um, shows. They want short ones. Have you actually gone outside or turned on the, the internet at any point in your lives in the last six months? People love these things. I don't even watch TV, and I know that, um, apart from the odd series here and there, of course, The Mandalorian. Um, but And then to launch it in the worst pandemic in living history, I mean, that is... I mean, yes, you they they must have had to rely on this release date, so that in order to um, make some sort of um, financial backing or like stakeholder promise or something, because you'd think they could have just pushed it back a few months otherwise. But I don't know, man. I've I've never heard of them, and I mean, in terms of a streaming service, yeah, it's a novel idea. But I think that's all it's going to be by the sounds of it—a novel idea. Here, have your short, bite-sized things for your phone. You can't use it on your laptop. We are going to make you pay for something like JP said. I know lots of YouTube creators who make 15-minute or 20-minute episodes or um, like comedy skits or something. I don't pay for that. I get an ad for either side, but fine. I'll, you know, I'll 
I'll usually watch it or at least leave the computer on to, so they get their monetization. But if I really want to, I can skip it. I don't want to pay five. I know that sounds really entitled, but I don't want to pay five dollars for something which I can just get somewhere else and potentially better as well. So for something yeah. I've never heard of, I absolutely won't be given in my money because I think it's a. Uh, I think it's, it just sounds destined to fail. I think, mate. Right, and it it looks like that will likely be the case. And again, I pointed out that um, I feel like people who aren't like us haven't heard of Quibi, and here's a person like us, you, who haven't heard of it. So. I've never heard of it. Cause I, yeah. I, I I saw that before coming. I was like, I've never. I, I'm really interested to see what this is all about because it just reminds me like it's one labial frigative away from Mayor Quimby from The Simpsons. I was like, that sounds yeah. all right, Quimby. Um, but yeah, I've, I've never heard of it, and maybe there's a reason why. Because if it has come to the United Kingdom, I certainly haven't heard of it, or there's been absolutely no advertising over here. And I didn't think to look into if it was only a U.S. launch, but it debuted at South by last year, like in 2019. They like introduced the concept and like the weird tilting thing. And again, mm-hmm. I haven't explored it to see what if that's. I don't see how that's really that cool. Like, even if you can do it, like, oh, why do I care? You know, it's just um, novel. It's a novelty thing. According right. to Google, Quibi came out. Uh, is is out in the states, and the United Kingdom and Australian release date is yet to be announced. Probably ah, won't ever be announced. By the sounds of it, it will likely not make it. So yeah, Quibi. Uh, sorry about your luck, but you know it. It, it doesn't seem like anyone cares. Um, yeah, thanks. And they did. Guys. They they got like uh, Reno nine one one has like a, a rebirth on it with like the same cast from the Comedy Central series. Um, but again, okay. Um, you know, it, and uh, Anna Kendrick has a show. Um, they got uh, ooh, I'm gonna t- uh, Chrissy Teigen has like a judge like comedy series thing. Mm-hmm. It's just all these like novel ideas that none of them feel like essential viewing. It's and when you make it the week, right? Well, and when you make it like it's 15 minutes, it doesn't feel substantial, right? Like it doesn't mm-hmm. feel like I need to see it. Um, like tiktok's cool but i've never felt like i have to watch it you know it's more like hey i'm bored i'll just throw some tiktok on while i'm waiting and that's like you know i can flip through it i can skip it i can pause it and if i get interrupted i don't care that's not what quibi seems to want but it also seems to be what is going to happen and again you want me to pay for that like why when i have free alternatives to it um Mm -hmm. yeah it, it that's probably enough about Quibi. We don't want to give them too much promotion. So no. uh, what what about you? What headlines have you been drawn to this week? Um, well, there's one, really. I mean, there were, there was a, a side note later, but the main one, actually, I thought was, um, with all the talk about Tenet being pushed back and Chris Nolan desperately trying to get this out to be the event um, that woke that welcome cinema goes back. You know, Chris Nolan, he's the hero. He's the martyr now. He's going to be there for us. Um, Anne Hathaway, who I am a huge fan of in every way possible, She's uh, she's revealed that Christopher Nolan's got an odd rule on set. Now, most directors will say we don't want cell phones or slash mobile phones on the set because we want your undivided attention. Others are a lot more lackadaisical. They don't mind that sort of stuff. Chris Nolan doesn't allow cell phones on sets, but he also doesn't allow chairs on sets either. He will not have any chairs on set, Anne Hathaway said. And, of course, she's worked with him on Interstellar and The Dark Knight Rises as well, so she she knows this. And the reason why he doesn't allow chairs on sets is, and this is verbatim, if people are sitting, then they're not working. So there you go. So if you're sitting down, you're not working. I now feel bad for sitting down to do this show. Uh, I mean, it's hard to argue with Chris Nolan's output and his record. So does the no chair rule work? Uh, John, if, if you're if you're an actor, it doesn't matter how much you're getting paid. If you're an actor and you're working hard, long hours on set, 
do you think, I mean, again, this is conjecture, this is hypothetical, but would you like that rule in post if you're on your feet all day to have a director or whoever, however famous or talented enough to say, look, we don't have chairs because if I find you sitting down, I'm, you know, to me, that means, you know, you're not, you're not committed to this. What are you thinking about that? Well, as a teacher who uh, opted to get a standing desk as opposed to a normal traditional I desk, do like and, uh, I do not generally sit down. It's fine. You know, um, again, like, I guess to a degree, um, I think there should be maybe exceptions like Michael Caine maybe needs a chair. Getting yeah. a little old up there. Yeah. And he's in a lot of Nolan's movies, you know, but um, I, again, I don't know how his, he runs his sets. Like, is, does he have you there when you're not needed? Um, you know what I'm saying? Like, are you just going to be standing around all day mm-hmm. waiting? In which case, maybe a chair seems nice. But if you're, if he's like only going to have you there when he's going to be using you soon, maybe you're staying limber, you're staying loose, ready to get moving, you know? So, um, so the idea that if you're sitting though, you're not working, does that feel a slightly dictatorship or slightly, um, iron fist to you because you know you can sit down and be methodically thinking about your work whilst it may not you may not look like it you might be though you haven't got a cell phone that's true uh yeah no i guess it is um but like you said uh, directors all have weird little things like i've heard yeah. um you know directors won't allow water bottles on set and things like that so uh no no chair it's not to say they can't have drinks or maybe it is, but like I've heard specifically water bottles. So I don't know if that's like in case it blows onto the set. I mean, there's all sorts of stories. Like I think it was uh, with um, Lawrence of Arabia. They had to have ceramic mugs because they were filming in the desert and like the paper cups would like blow into the, the shots and stuff. Um, bust. And so, yeah. Starbucks coffee cup in the middle of the table. Right. So like, you know, there's there's some reasons that could be justified. I don't know about the chair, but maybe he maybe <laughs> like initially he had a really bad experience with an actor being lazy, getting out of a chair. Or yeah. Maybe they hit him with a chair. Maybe he watched <laughs> a lot of wrestling. You know, so he's like, no folding chairs. Um, <laughs> oh my god, King! I I, I like just said know, though, I just thought it was a very straight. That's what caught my eye about it was the first thing the headline because like. I wonder what his on-set rule is. Is it like no no kissing, no tu- no cuddling, or no breaking character, but uh, no chairs? I need to see what Burke thinks about this, because for me, it just seems quite odd. It's more the idea that you're sitting, uh, thus forth, you're not, henceforth, you're not working. Because, I mean, and, and again, every director has their foibles, but, I mean, if you went into your class when we get back to it and said, right, from now on, we're all having stand-up desks, because, to be honest, I see you sitting there, and I don't think you're giving you full attention because you're not using your legs. I don't know. Yeah, I I, I get what you're saying. And w- when Anne Hathaway brought it up, did, was she complaining or just putting? No, it, out it was there? more just a case. I think th- it was more. Uh, the question was posed to, "What's it like working with Chris Nolan? What are, what what's it like on his sets?" And I think she's more like because um, the one of the questions was people. Most directors won't allow cell phones on sets. You know, is Nolan because like, you know what Nolan's like with his traditional way of filmmaking can he have cell phones and she said well no he doesn't allow that but he does also have this other rule and that's when she mentioned it well um yeah there it is uh listener what do you think is it too much of a dictator or is it if he's getting results who cares if he wants chairs or not make sure you eat a a good breakfast so you're full of energy but yeah that's smart that's the main headline that that caught my eye and um and i also mentioned as a side note if you listen to the show for the last few weeks we've we've spoken about the the theater change reopening so i'm not going to go into it but 
just as a newsflash, they're now not opening in the middle of July. It's now being pushed back to the end of July because, you know, pandemic. So side note, major cinema chains are, be, are going to reopen at the end of July as it stands. So um, just as a kind of FYI. But uh, JB, you had one more, didn't you? I did uh, this morning. Mm-hmm. Um, this, we're recording on Tuesday uh, and Carl Reiner passed away. Yes. Um, legendary icon uh, writer for the Dick Van Dyke show and or creator of the Dick Van Dyke show and um, a director in his own right. Although I haven't seen a lot of his big uh, movies, but I have seen. Yes. Um, yeah, he's worked quite a bit. Uh, the guy's, you know, kind of iconic and he's an actor as well. Um, but I, I my wife, I think like two years ago, had me watch Summer School. Mm hmm. Um, which I like. It's not a great movie by any means, but it's very funny. And there's a, a whole sub like subplot of two of the, the kids in summer school are really big movie nerds. And so there's like a Texas Chainsaw Massacre thing. And so for like a movie nerd myself, I really got into that part of it. Um, so I, I just thought we'd bring it up. Um, you know, he, he was 98 and yeah. uh, I think and passed away of natural causes. So um, as that's a pretty great life. 98 is I'm hoping to make it to at least 98, you know? So, uh, but still, uh, it's always sad to see someone iconic leave us. Yeah. Rest in peace. Uh, Carl Reiner known for oceans 11. He did the, he directed the jerk with Steve Martin, one of his Steve Martin's right. like, most famous films. And he was in, uh, he did things for family guy, King of the Hill, two and a half men as well. So he's left an indelible mark on, on film whether that's an actor, director, voice actor. So, uh, yes, it's a very, it's very sad news about Carl Reiner, but we certainly can't argue with the, with the legacy he's left behind there. So, um, yes, rest in peace one more. Um, so now uh, right. on that, we'll move on to our next segment, and it's, uh, it's, it's media consumption. What have John and myself, what have we been consuming in the world of film or TV, video games, podcasts, which we don't run, etc., uh, etc.? Et what have we been using to pass the time in, uh, in these strange times currently? Um, JB, take us away. What's, what have you been doing with your week? So for video games, I've been spending most of my gaming time on Final Fantasy VII Remake on PS4. Um, I, I loved that game when I was in high school, Final Fantasy VII. Uh, I had it on PlayStation 1. I played it a lot. Um, and I I had such fond memories of the game. And then while, while playing this, I realized I remember very little of the game. <laughs> I just remember how I felt about it more so than anything. Like, like multiple times, I'm like, was this in that game? And there is some changes for sure, I think, at least. Um, or I have a very bad memory. But uh, it's it's been fun. It's also been very frustrating. There have been a few times where I'm just like, I quit. Don't want to do this anymore. Because um, <laughs> the, the, the fight system is challenging at times for sure but uh i i am hoping to beat that soon so i can i really want to get to the last of us too um yes i've watched a few movies uh i finally completed the wachowski filmography um i i watched their debut film bound uh from i think it's 96 95 um, think of that i i liked it uh it's a it's you know it's a very indie film it's very you know like small set the set looks mm-hmm. low budget but uh, the performances are really good. It's um, it's an interesting story. I, I like the Wachowskis' style and their ability to um, even you know it makes a lot of sense now. But their ability to craft female characters that have you know complexity and aren't uh, just you know heroines to be you know or, or uh, damsels in distress to be rescued by the heroes mm-hmm. um, is is always been very noticeable. And so uh, 
obviously it makes a lot of sense um as lana and uh lily right yep i think it's um have uh, obviously you know they were they that's one of the things that does not hold up in this movie is that it has the big title card at the end the wachowski brothers is like mm, maybe not mm-hmm. um but uh i i'm a big wachowski <laughs> fan i i defend a lot of some of their movies that people hate like a lot of people hated cloud atlas i really like cloud atlas mm-hmm. uh i i can't defend jupiter ascending i it's good pretty <laughs> not great but um i will defend speed racer i think speed racer is a gem um i really enjoyed that. speed racer i i was a very late to it i i basically got into their movies because of the blank check podcast i've listened to every episode of blank check um pretty much i think every episode except for the star wars stuff because i i just can't go that deep on star wars but mm-hmm. um but uh the wachowski series I had not seen a few, uh, I had not seen Speed Racer and I had not seen Bound and Bound was not available. It's ne- it's on uh, HBO Max now though, so I was finally able to watch it. Um, Corey and I watched Grizzly Man uh, for our movie club podcast, mm-hmm. and um, I've never seen a Werner Herzog film. I'm very familiar with him. Obviously, he's in Mandalorian, um, and I I've been meaning to get to his films, and this uh, felt like the right one to jump into. Um, have you seen that documentary? I haven't seen Grizzly Man, no. I will say that. It's it's definitely compelling. It's crazy. Um, and even the premise is pretty crazy. But Herzog is so interesting as he analyzes the filmmaker of mm-hmm. Grizzly Man, basically. Um, or the guy who called himself Grizzly Man. But uh, I watched Spike Lee's Clockers. Yeah. Um, which is really good. And then... Uh, have you seen Eurovision Song Contest? Uh, the story of Fire Song, Fire Side, Fire Side. Uh, I have, uh, yes, I have, and obviously the Eurovision Song Contest for some reason is massive in certainly in like Northern Europe and um, certain parts of Europe. Like massive cheese fests, and for those who aren't aware of it, it's a voting system. Like you have to qualify apart from the big five, like Italy, France, and. England, United Kingdom. You qualify for this uh, European, this continent-wide music contest where you send one representative to sing a song, and the rest of Europe votes for you. It ends up turning into a politically charged affair. Nobody votes for the best song; they just vote for countries who they haven't been at war at, or uh, who they, well, basically, no one votes for the United Kingdom because nobody likes the UK. It's very cheesy and it's very OTT. So I'm really interested to see what a an American legend like John thought of this very European, very sort of camp affair. Okay, I didn't know anything about. I didn't know it was based on a real thing. Um, it's that's very hilarious. real, unfortunately. Yeah. Uh, I I thought the movie was a lot of fun. Um, mm-hmm. I I loved Will Ferrell for a long time. Like, um, he was like the last SNL like person that I was really attached to, and uh, I love old school and I loved um, Anchorman. Anchorman but yeah. I. I I tried to love the second one, but man, the kid in that movie is just so bad. Um, it's not good. But uh, I also, I have come to adore Rachel McAdams. Like yeah. she, she's really good in her dramas, but man, does she have a comedic presence that's just unchallengeable. Like Dude. between this and game night. No, yeah. She's so natural with it. And she's just so funny. And obviously she's funny in mean girls, but there's like that, there's a big stretch where it seems like she's not doing comedy. She's doing a lot of mm-hmm. serious dramas and she's great in a lot of them. I mean, spotlight, she's amazing. And, uh, I loved about time, which is a rom-com, but still, I think she's really great in that. I've avoided the notebook. I clearly need to just freaking watch it. Just but, watch uh, it. but man, McAdams and Farrell are so great in this movie. I, I actually enjoyed the crappy pop music that they're singing. Um, like 
so much. I, f- I found that I actually added the soundtrack to, I have a playlist of like music from movies where it's mm-hmm. just like songs from movies. And a lot of them are, you know, more rock and whatever, but I immediately added the soundtrack to my, my playlist um, because I just found the songs to be uh, easy, like easy to listen to. Not like they're, they're, they're stupid They're but so most pop music is stupid, right? Like it's not, you're you're not likely to change your whole livelihood because of a pop song but mm-hmm. it's it's enjoyable and and poppy and that's what uh this immediately felt like um i laughed really hard and honestly my favorite jokes uh in it are there's a lot of like interactions with american tourists and i love all of the insults <laughs> that are levied at the american tourists and then how naive the american tourists are to the insults like they have no clue they're being insulted and it's it's the best um yeah, I, I mean, I don't think this is, like, the best movie by any means, but as far as feral comedies go, it's got to be one of the best in recent years. Like, uh, especially even if you just look at this year, we have um, this and the, the Force Majeure remake that I've now forgotten even what it was called. Um, I can't remember what it's called either. Oh, my God. Downhill. That's what it's called. Uh, I had a look to find that. Uh, like, Downhill was... was it has it's it had potential and then i didn't see holmes and watson but i heard that was really that bad was horrendous daddy's home 2 is not so good the house was really disappointing to me i think daddy's home is funnier than it should have been but it's still not amazing um i never saw it get hard but i heard not great things uh it, wow he's had he's done a lot less than i thought actually i thought he's done more stuff but yeah it's been a while since he's had one that i've really had a great time watching probably the other mm-hmm. guys um was the last one that I like really, really will like stand by and like root for. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I was happy to find one that I really enjoyed. And I, I again, uh, Dan Stevens is also in it and he's excellent um, in this film. And there's a, there's some things that clearly kind of come from, um, I think uh, like pitch perfect. Like there's in pitch perfect, there's the riff offs. And here we get like a uh, medley of pop singing. I forgot what they call it in the in the, the Eurovision Song Contest, but it's it's probably one of my favorite scenes in the film. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, super entertaining. And uh, again, McAdams and Farrell just crushed it. Um, to wrap up my consumption, I also have been watching Gilmore Girls. Yep. Um, I am I'm into season two. I think I'm on episode eleven or twelve of season two. Uh, really enjoying that show. Um, and I thought something was really funny. Uh, I was watching an episode today that originally aired in November of 2001. And uh, they are looking to buy a piece of property. And Lorelai says, uh, you'll never guess who owns the title. And <laughs> Melissa McCarthy's character, uh, Sookie, says, it better not be that bastard Donald Trump. <laughs> and that was from 2001. And I'm just like, mm-hmm. Look who we are now. Just going to leave that there. Uh and then I've been listening to uh, you know some music. My podcasts have been uh, are a little more sporadic because a lot of them were done live, and you can't do live podcasts anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, so they're not as reliable to listen to. But uh, I, I needed something funny, so I've been listening to Weird Al. I'm a big Weird Al fan um, in general. Uh, but I've been kind of exploring albums of his that I didn't listen to entirely. Like I knew a couple of songs off of, but I hadn't heard all of the whole entire album. And then uh, I'm a big fan of Grandson. Um, he's a modern artist. Uh, he's very, he's kind of like a modern day Rage Against the Machine as far as like lyrical content. Um, mm-hmm. He's very political, uh, very, very blatant what his point of view is. Um, but he just had a new song drop, which got me back into his other stuff. Um, most of his songs are within the last two years, but I, I really enjoy everything he has. And if you haven't checked him out, I say listen to Grandson. Uh, what about you, Matt? What have you been consuming? Um, not quite as... Um 
varied as yourself, but I've certainly been diving into stuff. And I've, I mentioned on the last week episode, week's episode, I've just started The Last of Us, the first one. And uh, I'm glad to say I finally finished it. I say finally, to be honest, in with, uh, I actually probably only played it for about four nights and I absolutely just destroyed my way through it uh, because of just other commitments going on. But when I did play it, I found myself playing for like four and a bit hours at a time. It'd be like two thirty. At one point, it was like 10 to 3 in the morning. I was like, damn, I think I better go to bed. I was just absolutely just steaming. I was so addicted to the game. And by the time I got to the end, you know, I won't give any spoilers. Okay, I haven't played the game. I won't give any spoilers. But holy, sh- almost, well, holy damn, the end of that game just hit me right in the face. Like between the eyes, I was like, oh, wow. What a way. What a way to end a game. Like, I mean, mm-hmm. that didn't go the way I thought, as Luke Skywalker said. This is not going to go the way you think. It did not go the way I thought it was going to go with like the sad, tragic and quite slightly creepy ending to that game. I can't wait to dive into The Last of Us Part 2, which I hope to pick up this week. And uh, I was doing playing it parallel to Big Tuna, our buddy of the podcast. And he was telling me how he was getting on. He finished it a few days before me, uh, in fact. But... Um, we were kind of trading notes about how bad we started off being. And I mentioned at one point I was about 60% of the way through the game at a certain point. And he just said, oh dear, you've got a, you've got a, a couple of massive, like ridiculously hard parts coming. I was like, oh good. It's going to be another long one tonight. Let's get the coffee on. And he was right. It, it, it's a hard game, I found. It was even, it was a tough game. And I like that. I like the fact that it wasn't just, it was, wasn't just something I could pick up and just breeze through in a night or two because it was a, I almost swore again getting getting into this because it was just a very easy game. It's challenging. It's a, it, it's a lot going on. It's t- it, and I really enjoyed it. I can't now wait for The Last of Us Part Two, and I've heard an awful lot of good things about that. I'm ignoring the whiners who have got their agendas. Also, on John's behest, and whenever JB recommends something, i.e., see blind spotting and stuff like that, I am quick to jump on it. And I he mentioned Until Dawn. Uh, he's been playing that and said it's very much up my alley, like a horror-based cinematic game. So I was like, you know what? I've got PS Now. I'm going to play it. It's not going to cost me anything apart from my subscription. Uh, and I've started it last night. And I I think, I don't know, I, I got to like part five already. I was stuck on that game. I love this game. I text JB this morning. I was like, this is awesome. I struggled to rip myself apart um, from it last night. I cannot wait to jump on tonight. It's not often... Do I not want to talk to John? But I want to play this game, man. It's... I got the vibe when you, we we recorded much earlier than we originally planned. I was like, I wonder if he's trying to get to the game. <laughs> <laughs> I was also just sort of sitting around. I was like, well, and I've any notes I need to do. I did earlier on. Kids are in bed. I'm sort of twiddling my thumbs. Like, well, you know, we could wait another hour. or We could just go in 20 minutes. And also, I'll play my game as well. I can't wait, mate. I got well into it. I've, I've already killed a few people, one by accident and one mm-hmm. very much on purpose. It's sadistic. Like, who's your favourite character out of this? Out of these people? I was like, oh, they, they'll be safe. Yeah, Ron. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And Peter Stormare, uh, John Abruzzi from Prison Break turns up as a like a therapist type guy. Mm-hmm. Entirely sure about his motives this year, but I got my eye on him until dawn. Really good, fun game that was, and it's again, it, it cut the the controls and the cinematic look of it. Took me a while to get into. It's not like something like The Last of Us where you're pretty much the camera if there was one is behind the character and you're watching them as they go this one you're having to sort you having to you control the camera and the angles and that and it looks really looks beautiful and the fact that you can control the narrative I was like oh wow and I was again when you start playing you think oh, okay there's probably like one or two things that can go wrong here I was like oh no the the things I'm doing and the things I'm saying are actually making a massive difference and the one person I tried to save 
They were like, that didn't work. I was like, okay, now I feel dirty and I feel like a murderer now. So until dawn, I can't wait to finish that game off. Um, I haven't finished it, but I know they want to make a sequel and I'm interested in that. Uh, in terms of films, I watched for the back row, I watched Jaws very recently. Uh, we'll be talking about that in the next week or the next few days. So we'll see the 1975 classic Jaws. What more can I say that you don't already know about Jaws? It's bloody good. And I've been watching the Premier League's back. I've been watching the Saints, Southampton. We we lost one game and we won one the other day. I had a great time watching that. It's just good fun. I know not everybody enjoys sports, but it's nice to have something on. Like that familiarity is like, oh, okay, I can turn the telly on and and the footy's on or whatever it is you want to watch. Like It's nice to know there's something in the evening to watch. Even if it's just on in the background, it kind of makes you feel like everything's going to be okay. Uh, and I know John's been watching it as well, tuning into NBC Sports over there to watch it. So, but yeah, oh, yeah. Uh, gaming a lot. And I'm not a gamer. I've said that a lot. I'm not for any reason, but now I've got this PS Now, which um, I was recommended. I was like, they said, just you know, get this free trial, play The Last of Us, and then I was like, you know, I I want to play. I see, I saw that until Dawn was on there. I've now signed up for like in the next month or so. So it's just, I've realised, you know, I love ga- I love playing games now. I love getting lost in it. The only problem is I get so addicted. That I can lose an entire evening, and I mean evening and morning playing. So I'm really digging the game to the minute, buddy. And part of that is because of you. <laughs> well, I am. I'm very glad uh, because sometimes, especially with games, when you recommend it, it's hard for people to get a hold of. So I'm glad it was on that PS Now thing. Yeah. Um. Although, a listener, if you don't want to do the PS Now until dawn, you can find anywhere from ten to twenty dollars uh, because it is it's a PlayStation greatest hits at this point because it's one yeah. of the early games. But man, I had. I, I'm so glad that it, I was right because I totally thought it was up your alley. But um, I'm into this style of game where, like, you are more. It's more about the narrative and the decisions being made than it is the gameplay. Yeah. Um, there's a little bit of gameplay, and some of the gameplay really frustrated me. But um, I'm I'm waiting. I'm looking forward to comparing uh, your ending to my ending to see uh, who got the better ending. Oh, that's um, a good shout. And I I'm tempted to play it again, although I have. I did watch on YouTube like uh, a few of the other endings that could you could end up with, um, but uh, there's other games that are in that same vein that I, I own now and I'm getting ready to play. Uh, the Meta Madon, which is like it's like dark photograph Meta Madon or something like that, mm-hmm. and then um, Hidden Agenda, which is a really interesting one uh, that definitely benefits if you have like friends locally because there's like a multiplayer option for the game that sounds really really cool where it's like a murder mystery dinner kind of thing um and it uses an app on your phone so like one of you would be the killer and like everyone else is trying to solve the mystery of who the killer is and that sounds really cool but it does have a single player mode that doesn't do that but it's like story driven and you have to try to solve the crime and you can fail you cannot solve the crime and the game can end uh so the, the games like this i find to be ultimately compelling and that potential replay value that you don't get in a lot of other story games, you know? So, yeah, uh, I was actually going to go on YouTube when I finished as well and look at all the other cutscenes and endings as well. I look, I, and I, like I said, I'm not a massive gamer, but these kind of games, I do find compelling, like, as you say, because when you, like, when I play something like the last of us, yes, you've got to complete missions and tasks to get when you can fail, but ultimately you have to replay it. You still there is one ending. You get you 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 you'll bundle your way to the end and by any means necessary. In a game like this, though, the, again there are multiple endings and decisions that I make, or if I don't push a button quick enough, mm-hmm. it will have a the butterfly effect. It'll have a knock on effect, and I like that because then it makes it does then it then it feels more vital to me because again, as much as I really love The Last of Us and I, I get the hype now, 
the idea now that I can play a game and I control the narrative almost, depending on how I'm feeling. If I think, you know, what, I don't like the look of that guy's hair. I've, I've had you're, you're you've gone or you're she's annoying me. I'm going to make sure you what I think is going to happen. I like that. I, mean, I really like the fact that there's different endings. So I'm looking forward to checking out YouTube afterwards as well. So yeah, and um, I would check yeah. uh, that PS Now and see if Detroit Become Human is an option um, because I think that game takes that style of narrative to the next level. Um, and I was like devastated with some of the choices that I had made. And it was like, there were moments where I was like, I don't know what choice I want to make. Cause it seems like, you know, I can't tell which one is the right one. And mm-hmm. that was nerve wracking. And I really, I think that game's pretty, it's also very poignant because it's very much about human rights mm-hmm. or Android rights, I guess you could say, but it's, it's obviously a parallel for what's going on in our world right now. So um, yeah, worth checking out but that's that's probably enough of video games but um it is cool hearing you talk about games because uh i know you've had a playstation but for the most part if it wasn't a star wars game it seemed like you did not touch it so pretty much if it wasn't star wars or ice hockey or something and i just haven't bothered i use it for the streaming services more and i even said to the boss the missus literally today i actually now enjoy playing these games because because they're, they're out there and the problem is i find as well is is the choice because i'm not a big old gamer I only know the big titles. I know of Resident Evil. I know of The Last of Us. I don't know these other games like Until Dawn, which are going to blow my mind. And there's such a wealth of choice out there. I don't know what to play. I can scroll through the PS Now um, app or, P- or PSN store and just see like a thousand games. I don't know what's good. Do you know what I mean? I don't. With that, so I, I kind of live and die now on recommendations. So if anyone has any, do let me know. I do like the kind of... Um, like that, I do like the horror tinge of games because I like to be on the edge of my seat when I'm playing. I like to know that death is around the corner at any point. So yeah, but I yeah recommendations hit me up. So uh, and I know if John has any, I will be playing them. Um, but yeah, I think like you say, that's a video game chat. No, I don't really chat about them. So that was partly how I've been staying bloody awesome. And as our final section, as you guys know, John and myself, we are bloody awesome. Just like you guys, we feed off your bloody awesomeness, your ears. But we still have to keep that up. You know, we've got to maintain those levels. So here has, here's how we've been staying bloody awesome since the last episode. JV, how on earth have you been staying as bloody awesome as you are? Well, I, I got to say, I, I'm, next week I'm going to try to go a different direction. I feel like all of mine have been about, like, my physical health. <laughs> I want to maybe talk more. Maybe I need to, like, read a book or something over the next week. But um, this week uh, I hit a personal best um, with running. Uh, I started running back in April after the first quarantine and it took my gym away. Um, so I, I felt I, I had to utilize nature since I could. And of course, when you're locked in your house all day, getting outside is not as bad as it normally was. No. Uh, so uh, when I started running, I think I was uh, my first mile run was like 16 minutes um, mm-hmm. because I'm not a runner. I've never been a runner uh, it, and I am in the best shape I've been in a long time right now. But um, since April, I was able to finally get under 11 minutes, which is the first time in my whole life I've run a mile in under 11 minutes. Hell of a job. Uh, yeah, but I just did that uh, yesterday. Um, I ran 10 minutes and 55 seconds. So I was pretty stoked. Uh, I didn't know if I was going to get there because I was I was getting like winded. And I was like, man, I, I really felt like I was on a, on a pace to like get a really good time. And then I use um, Map My Fitness app. Yeah, and yeah. It, it was like, it's like, I think I was at... Uh, Cause I had a, my goal was uh, 12 minutes and I was like close to the mile mark. Like I could, I know, I know in my neighborhood when I hit the mile mark yep. and it came on and was like, um, your pace is uh, 10 minutes and 55 seconds. You're yes. too, you're too fast or whatever. I'm like, 
uh, screw that. I'm going to push. And so like, I pushed that last time and I hit the number I was looking for, um, which was under 11 minutes. And I was, I was stoked. So yeah. And today I ran, uh, a, I do three miles on Tuesday, Thursdays and Saturdays. So I did three miles this morning and, and I did that in 38 minutes, which I think might be one of my best times. So, uh, my time's coming down, which means my, my, uh, you know, cardiovascular and stamina is going up and I'm happy with that. So I'm pretty stoked about that. What about you? How are you staying bloody awesome, sir? Well, firstly, if I could, if I could pat you on the back, I would, cause a hell of an effort. I was before, in what, within the last decade, cause it's getting time, time, time is transient. It doesn't stop any stop, but I used to be an ex, I used to be a very competent runner, very good runner. And I, and that's one thing I've always been quite good at is certainly I used to be very fairly explosive over a short distance, like a hundred meters. But I also used to be really good at long distance, like 10 miles runs. I completed the London Marathon. Done that in the bag. Yeah. Now, in the last five, six years, since I've become a since I've since I've become a parent and moved away, yep, I've enjoyed cake and beer too much. So um how I've been <laughs> staying bloody awesome is very similar to doing laps up and down the garden, basically, in, a, in an attempt to just get out, get fit, in, uh, and like you said, just enjoy that vitamin D of the sun. And we've got a fairly long garden. It's very thin, but it's fairly long and it's actually nice. So we can stand at one end and run down to one end, walk back, run down the other and kind of timing myself to go back and forward. Um, again, fat shifting, but it's uh, it's that exercise really. It's rather than going around the block, which I will do, I need to build up my fitness levels to a level like JB, where I'm smashing out minutes, miles in under 11 minutes. Because at the minute, I could, if I was to go a third of a mile i'd probably be wheezing on my knees so in a way to build up that core strength that core fitness gone up and down the garden i've had enough now and i've, I've been threatening this for the last two two years on the bat but finally doing it now so i'm eating better and actually getting healthy because uh, as john said to wait for his reasoning was for for health reasons and also just to feel good you want to feel good about yourself who doesn't you want to feel good about yourself you want to feel good like in within yourself and you want to look in the mirror and think you know what you look good today and I'm proud, and I, you know, you look good in that t-shirt or whatever it might be. So, um, get back to those. So, yeah, I think we've both kind of ended up doing the same, a similar type thing to stay bloody awesome this week, and it involves using our legs and our lungs, which is a uh, good on both of us. And like I say, I wonder what I know. I do what next week will bring, but at least this week we've got some kind of like yeah, physical and mental zen. I agree. Yeah, I do. I do need to. I think maybe try to learn something new or something over the next week instead of just exercising. But yeah, you know. It's important to stay uh, physically fit, especially when we're being told to stay home. Um, you got to find some way to, to motivate yourself to stay home and work out, not just stay home. Because I have heard a lot of people talk about the uh, corn 15 or the corn like 15 pound weight gain after being in quarantine. Yes. And while <laughs> my weight loss is kind of stalled, I haven't been able to get to my goal. I also have not gained any weight, which is, you know, I'm like, mm-hmm. hey, I'm doing something right because I'm not gaining the weight. Um, even with I did have some heavy cheating uh food wise in april and may where i was just like I, nuts. yeah i caved to my sweet tooth several times and um i have not this month i was uh very most of june i've been very very like diligent to my diet but um but even when i was not being great to the eating i was still making sure i was hitting my workouts and, and obviously i've been improving my run uh so you know that's why I, you gotta you gotta put the work in Yep, you have to. Yep, no pain, no gain, and all that. All those cliches that you they throw out at the gym and the personal trainers. Unfortunately, 
they're right. The sadists, they are right. So that's how we've been keeping bloody awesome. We'd love to know how you've been doing it as well. Or any recommendations for us to keep bloody awesome that don't involve exercise. Um, that's that then for this episode, this week's episode of the Bloody Awesome Movie Podcast, where we sat down and spoke about baby teeth and a whole host of stuff. So um, next week, we're diving into the independence scene. And it's actually a British film, or certainly um, revolving around Britain and London. It's a film called Ghost. So we're going to be diving into that next week, and we'll give full details of... Uh, who directs and who's in it next week. So check that one out, guys. Uh, and in the meantime, if you want to follow the show on li- on uh, online, you can do on Twitter. Head over to at BAMP underscore podcast, B-A-M-P underscore podcast on Twitter. John, Instagram, where are we? We're Bloody Awesome Movie Pod. Just stop right there. Don't type in the cast. Just Bloody Awesome Movie Pod, and you'll find us there. Nice and easy. Facebook, bloody awesome movie podcast. We're on there as well. If you want to find me online, it's what I watched tonight.co.uk. Uh, just search for what I watched tonight on Instagram, on Twitter, and Letterboxd as well. And you'll find me there. And for John? And I'm at burkreviews.com and on the socials, just Burke Reviews on Instagram, Twitter, and Letterboxd. We like to keep it easy. We do. Uh, if you also have a spare 30 seconds, we'd we'd adore it if you could. Possibly rate and review The BAMP on your podcast provider of choice. Five stars, of course. Uh, it helps the show grow. It helps us get new listeners. More listeners means more engagement. Uh, and that's what we're ultimately after. We love hearing from you guys. So if you do have a spare 30 seconds, we would absolutely love that from you guys. So thank you again for listening. And with that, as always, guys, stay bloody awesome. And keep watching movies. Blood, 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 blood,